really authority is given to me as a responsibility to protect my wife and look out for her interests and to really serve her. And so I have to learn to lay down my life for her the same way that Jesus laid his life down for the church. That's the biblical teaching on being the head of the wife. Married men who come to our residential program often tell us that they do love their wives, but their words contradict their actions, which have been permeated with viewing pornography, committing adultery, and engaging in other forms of illicit sex. And once a man begins to see this and he begins to repent, one of the biggest undertakings he's going to have is putting the words, I love you, into action. When the Father loved us, it meant that he gave us his Son. When Christ loved us, it involved laying down his life. This is the standard for all of us, especially for husbands. Love that gives all and holds nothing back. Pastor Ed joins us today to show what it took for him to learn this lesson. Welcome to Purity for Life. You know, in the last few shows, we've heard it repeated that selflessness, giving of oneself, dying to yourself are essential in a good marriage. Glenn brought it up in his interview, and it was pretty much Pastor Steve's big struggle in his early years. So it probably shouldn't have surprised me then when Pastor Ed began to rehash some of those same thoughts in his interview. However, what I loved about talking with him is that while these themes on being a good husband were present in everything he said, the conversation was more focused on a lot of very practical struggles he had to work through in rebuilding his marriage. And so it's my hope that this week the Holy Spirit will speak through him to help some of you listening who may be wrestling with a lot of different thoughts and problems, and that his answers will help you to arrive biblically at some solutions for your marriage. Pastor Ed, thanks for joining us today. One of the things I wanted to talk about um, to start off with was some of the wrong ideas that you had about marriage before coming to Pure Life. And as I was reading the email that you sent me um, before the interview, the thing that stood out is you had some more traditional, maybe even biblical perspectives of marriage. You used words like the wife is a helpmate or that there's a certain authority um, that a husband has over his wife. But it seemed like you were taking those ideas to maybe a more sinful level. So I'm wondering if you could talk about what some of those wrong attitudes were Um, for a marriage relationship that you had. Sure, Patrick. And, you know, frankly, I don't really think that my perspective is all that uncommon. I think I might even be in the majority, but uh, right out of the gate, I just had a really wrong idea of marriage, that that marriage in and of itself was something that I was going to gain Hmm. rather than something I was going to have to give myself Uh into or give myself to my wife in. And, uh, you you know, so like you mentioned, I I thought of her as a helpmate. Well, you know, and that's a nice biblical term, but I kind of took advantage of that. Like mentally Uh for me, that meant that my job was more important. Hmm. Uh, She's just a helpmate. 
who right, comes right. alongside. And, and I left her to bear most of the weight of the household uh, routines, okay. you know, the, the laundry, the, the chores, the cleaning, mm-hmm. all, all that stuff around the house. You know, I expected her as the helpmate to handle all of those things. Uh, and I expected her to let me have my way for the most oh, part. Okay. You know, uh, clearly in my mind, my way is always better, right? <laughs> so uh, I just expected her to go along and it was yeah. kind of frustrating when she you huh. know <laughs> gave any resistance to that uh, and i just really you know looking back now of course i can see that i had a complete disregard for her preferences to the point where you know i'm even ashamed to say but like I, there were times when i just made fun of her for hmm. seeing things differently wow. than i did and uh, definitely kind of abused that role of authority that I mm-hmm. perceive that, that the husband has in a marriage um, to the point where, like, for me, I didn't feel that I had to really be accountable to her. Hmm. And I know with a lot of couples that's in regards to money and, and there was some of that there, no doubt. But for me, it was really in respect to my time. Like I just, hmm. my time was my time. And even in a broader sense of just setting the the uh, pace or the direction for our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I just kind of expected her to follow and mm-hmm. keep up with wherever mm-hmm. I was heading mm-hmm. us, you know. The bottom line is I completely ignored the biblical mandate, really, for uh, a husband to love his wife sacrificially and Mm -hmm. to nurture Mm -hmm. her and cherish her, as you read right there very Mm -hmm. plainly in Ephesians 5, I think it's verse 28, 29. Uh Those are the instructions for every husband, and and I just completely ignored them, really. So, uh, yeah, I had a pretty sinful idea of marriage. Okay. I think that's good at showing kind of what your attitude was. But as I listen to you talk, I don't know if everybody listening would quite hear what was exactly wrong in some of those attitudes. And so I'd like to maybe help people see that a little bit better um, by touching on how some of those ways you were acting were negatively impacting uh, Carla. Yeah, well, obviously Carla could talk about this a whole lot better than I, and um, I'm not even personally really sure I can talk about how initially some of it affected her. I came to see it, you know, the hard way over the long haul, but uh, clearly uh, she reached a point anyway where she felt very stifled, you know, and constantly was talking to me about her needs not getting met. Hmm. Okay. And... I would say that she uh, ultimately felt completely unwanted, uh, mm. kind of discarded, mm-hmm. you know, just to add on kind of mm-hmm. in my life. And what was the point of that? That's not really what she was looking for yeah. when she agreed to marry me. The whole thing was a really huge emotional and spiritual struggle for her. Okay. Um, she was trying to be a good wife, but how do you be a good wife to this guy who is really so self-centered and oppressive? Like, yeah. how, how do you respond to that and still be a good wife? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it, yeah, I would say it was absolutely impossible for her after a couple of years to trust me with her heart. Wow. And she just put up walls, barriers, protective b- mm-hmm. walls between us, uh, which was fine with me because, you know, at that point, wow. we just kind of built our own lives individually within this marriage home mm-hmm. or relationship. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't much of a marriage by that point. Uh, right. I just did my thing. She did her thing. Hmm. And and that was really, uh, it was more like we were just roommates in the relationship. Wow. 
So really, you're not building her up spiritually. She's not growing closer to God because of your relationship. And your marriage is essentially from those ways we talked about is really kind of fell apart in the end. Yeah, that's all true. So you already mentioned um, kind of the self-interest, self-centered thinking that was going on in your mind. But I know, at least for me personally, self-centeredness, selfishness can go a long time without being noticed. And Mm -hmm. so I'm wondering how and when the Lord began to bring the selfishness in your mindset to the forefront. Yeah, and I would have to admit that that really didn't happen until my sexual sin got exposed and I ended up coming to Pure Life Ministries Mm -hmm. and going through the residential program. And it was really while I was in the residential program, and of course I'm getting dealt with on my pride and selfishness Mm -hmm. and things Mm -hmm. like that, and and seeing it in other areas of my life, and then it you know kind of hits you one day like, man, this is the way you've been in your marriage too, you know everything. It's just rampant in your life and it's infected every area of your life and your poor wife has had to deal with this you know mm-hmm. nonstop for seven years now mm-hmm. and the Lord really showed that to me and just showed me that I had a self-centered approach to life in general you know everybody wow. was like in orbit around me mm-hmm. arranged uh, you know relationships so that mm-hmm. it revolved around me and I was clearly falling way short in my godly responsibilities Mm. as a husband, not even just falling short. It was like I wasn't even aiming for the right target. Mm. Wow. So the Lord began to open your eyes to that in the program, um, and then eventually you go home, went back to your wife, and how did God begin to help you begin to change and to put on new attitudes um, as you began to reconcile your marriage? Yeah, well, I mean, clearly he had to, you know, help me put into practice just a whole different view of marriage and and Mm -hmm. my role as a husband, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, just for example, one of the early things I remember, like Ephesians 5.22, where it says, uh, their wives submit to your own husbands as unto Mm -hmm. the Lord, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that verse is actually preceded by a verse that says we should all submit to one another. So, you know, it's like nobody ever talks about the husband needing to submit to the wife somehow, Mm. but the scripture clearly teaches that there's a time and a place where that has to happen as well. Uh, So, you know, don't misunderstand me necessarily. I'm not saying that there aren't different biblical roles for a husband Mm -hmm. and a wife or or that, but I'm not given authority as a husband in order to lord it over my wife like I had been doing, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, I used authority to kind of demand from her, you know, to do things my way or tell her Mm -hmm. how I wanted things done. Uh, And really authority is given to me as a responsibility to protect my wife Mm -hmm. and look out for her interests and to really serve her. Mm -hmm. And so I have to learn to lay down my life for her the same way that Mm -hmm. Jesus laid his life down Mm -hmm. for the church. That's the biblical teaching on being the head of the wife. And, And so, you know, I know early on, even for me, and I'm, and probably some who will hear that kind of thing, you know, it sounds kind of foreign. It sounds like difficult. Like, how do I, how do I really do that? Because when we're at the center of our life, that, that is like foreign and difficult, but with Jesus at the center of our lives, we can actually, you know, Mm -hmm. put those things into practice the way we're supposed to and become a servant leader. Like he's Mm -hmm. really called us to be. 
And so, you know, just to bring all that down into practical terms, it really amounts to like the Lord having to help me reverse everything I'd been doing (laughs) before. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, instead of taking advantage of her as my helpmate, I had to pitch in and help out and make uh, household chores and, and, you know, laundry, cooking, cleaning, you know, Uh partly my responsibility. And actually what happened is we started doing those things together. Uh And that really actually helped our relationship immensely. Like. Wow. We were spending time together uh, doing things and just in uh, communication better with each other. Um, I talked earlier about how I didn't really respect her ideas or preferences mm-hmm. and things, you know. Well, the Lord had to help me learn to take her ideas, her mm-hmm. preferences mm-hmm. into consideration in, mm-hmm. in uh, making decisions and so forth. And, um, you know, one of the exercises I, uh, someone taught us along the way was like when we had a disagreement, uh, you know, they're usually over very minor things, but, you know, her preference is one thing and mine is another. And right. we just, we we see things differently. We just yeah. have different preferences, but we learn to resolve that simply by asking the question, well, who finds this thing that we're disagreeing over more important? You know, okay. uh, yeah. take it as simple as where do you want to go eat tonight? You know, what mm-hmm. restaurant are we mm-hmm. going to go to? You know, do I really care? You know, I can find something to eat at virtually any restaurant, uh-huh. you know? So if she has a preference, I'm going to yield to her in that yeah. because it really doesn't matter to me, that sort of thing. Um, so there's just ways that we learn to uh-huh. to work through things. And of course, I had to learn to be more accountable with mm-hmm. my time, mm-hmm. uh, which I hadn't been very good at before. Uh-huh. And so I really... Uh, learn to not make any plans or commitments uh, Mm -hmm. before I talk them over with Carla now. So, (laughs) uh, and I'm pretty good about that. Definitely haven't arrived here in any of this, but the Lord is working on all of that for me. I think what stands out to me is that just even the idea of cooking and cleaning together doesn't seem like the most important thing for a guy who's just began to repent over sexual sin to do. But I'm imagining that probably that is part of what the Lord really used to change the selfishness and change all of that um, in your life and give you more personal victory. Yeah. You know, it's really amazing how something so trivial really as cooking or Uh laundry or cleaning the house could make a difference. But, um, you know, the Bible teaches us that love isn't just a word that we say or, or, Mm -hmm. or something we verbally express. Mm -hmm. It's backed up by deeds, by actions. And that's what I think those things represented to her is I was willing to do things that I hadn't been willing to do before. I was willing to, you know, do them cheerfully alongside her. Mm -hmm. And and it spoke in a certain way. It said, I love you to my wife. Wow. I think that ties into the next question I was going to ask you pretty well, which was about um, kind of an individualistic mindset that you've already talked about today, um, but that also stood out in your answers to the questions I emailed you. Um, So, you know, you talked about how there had to be a change in the way you were thinking from a more individualistic, more self-centered way of thinking to a more unified way of thinking about your marriage and by that your life. So could you just talk a little bit more in detail about some of the mindsets that you had and how the Lord has changed the way you've had to live your life? Sure. Uh, Patrick, one of the uh, things maybe I should mention too is Carla and I were both in our mid-30s when we got married. So we had 
each established a life as a yeah. single person. You yeah. know, she had her a two-bedroom apartment. I had my two-bedroom house, and we were comfortable living as singles <laughs> yeah. long before marriage came into the picture for us. So, uh-huh. so maybe it was a little different, but for sure, we were both really anchored in an independent lifestyle. Okay, she didn't have really any trouble giving hers up, but I had tremendous uh, difficulty and, you know, really for seven years kind of resisted uh, that because marriage was much more of an intrusion on my independence than I ever expected it to be. And, you know, for example, I just really had no energy for uh, investing in family, where she was really family oriented and hmm. wanted to, you know, visit her folks. We we live close enough to visit okay. uh, both yeah. sides of our family if we wanted to. Uh, she, you know, anticipated frequent mm-hmm. visits, and mm-hmm. they were just cutting into my time, my right. weekends, yeah. you know, and things like that. Uh, and I just didn't have the energy for anything outside of my interests mm-hmm. and the things that, that were important to me. I really didn't want to invest in our relationship mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that individualism that you mentioned uh, for many couples, I think that shows up in the area of finances. And, uh, you know, maybe even often they separate their finances mm-hmm. and he's got his mm-hmm. and she has hers. And we didn't get quite that far uh, between Carla and I, but there certainly was a lack of accountability on mm-hmm. my part and an attitude that I should get to spend whatever I wanted to spend, mm-hmm. you know, definitely had that idea. And I think one of the worst things that that individualistic mindset did was it put an emphasis in my mind on the measure of a good husband being somebody who simply provided well Mm -hmm. financially, you know, had a decent Mm -hmm. house and could pay the bills at the Mm -hmm. end of the month, then I was a good husband. And that was my definition of being a good husband. So what have you come to believe it means to be a good husband now? Yeah, it's right there as far as I'm concerned in Ephesians 5, like mm-hmm. I alluded to, mm-hmm. you know, the, the husband who can sacrifice himself, lay down mm-hmm. his life, love and honor and cherish his wife and, mm-hmm. you know, invest in that relationship mm-hmm. and look out for her needs and interests and protect her. Those are all the things mm-hmm. that are really what a godly husband should be. So I think people get a sense kind of from what you've said um, before, how individualism has kind of had to change in your marriage relationship, but how does that play out in your personal life? You know, you I know you go camping, you go different places, but I'm sure there's ways that that's really subdued and pushed down um, from what maybe it would have used to be. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just do less of it. You know, we're not, uh-huh. uh, she's not lording it over me either. So, right. uh, you know, when I ask her, Hey, you know, here's a chance, you know, a couple of the guys from work are going camping and, mm-hmm. uh, I was thinking I might want to go along, you know, and we talk about it, check the calendar, see what other things uh-huh. are going uh-huh. on. Uh, you know, but I don't go once a month or, uh-huh. or, you know, every other week or anything like that. Yeah. I go once or twice a year, you know, mm-hmm. and keep my right priorities and mm-hmm. make sure that I'm investing in the relationship with my wife in between any of those other things that I might do separately from her. How long did it take you to work out those establishing those priorities and, you know, kind of coming into kind of what you guys value as a couple? 
Yeah, uh, definitely a couple of years, and and to some degree, it's probably always an ongoing issue because you you reevaluate it depending on different scenarios, mm-hmm. uh, and especially, you know, my wife's got a medical condition, so uh, that plays into things now, mm-hmm. and and uh, have mm-hmm. certain responsibilities and limitations, uh, yeah. just because of that. Mm-hmm. Since you brought it up now, I'd like to discuss her health issues. She has a very serious, very life inhibiting and painful. Um, health issue. And we get to see a lot of the the joy and the kindness in her. But then you're, you know, behind the scenes having to walk through the struggle of that. And so I'm wondering how you've learned to do that well as a husband, and also what that's taught you. Yeah. Uh, so for those who, who wouldn't know, uh, my wife, Carla, was diagnosed in 2008 with a rare lung disease. It's called lymphangiolyomyomatosis. <laughs> uh, LAM, L-A-M is the acronym. Okay. Uh, that's what we call it for short. Uh, and what it does is it leaves her severely short of breath yeah. and, and extremely fatigued pretty much all the time. Uh, her lung capacity, her ability to breathe is about 48% of what it should be. So it'd be kind of like you or I getting by with one lung or something like that. So uh, obviously that has a major impact on our lives and Mm -hmm. and on our marriage as a result. Uh, She simply can't physically do all the things she would have normally done or or even would like to do. Right. You know, it's just not physically possible. And for me, uh, of course, that provides a lot of extra opportunities to, mm-hmm. you know, practice self-denial and mm-hmm. self-sacrifice uh, mm-hmm. and pick up that slack or just be more patient and accommodating with her. And mm-hmm. those are some of the the keys, you know, for me. But honestly, what stands out to me is, is I, I really see Carla as a godly example of how to maintain joy in the midst of suffering. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm well aware that uh, there are a lot of marriages, a lot of couple, a lot of just people's individual lives and circumstances mm-hmm. where there's a uh, degree of hardship, difficulty, mm-hmm. suffering that they're mm-hmm. going through. And and especially in our ministry, we deal with sexual sin and that is just so destructive. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> there are hardly any couples we deal with that are, you know, experiencing just that bed of roses or, mm-hmm. or sunshine and rainbows mm-hmm. version of marriage. Um, so I think uh, Carla's example, you know, really stands out to me as, as uh, something that teaches all of us a few things. Uh, and, and one is we all just need to get used to not having things the way we want them to be. That's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. the reality of life uh, that we have to yeah. uh, just come to grips with that, right. uh, you know, it's not going to be the way I want it to be. And, and my response to that should be to maybe step back and just be more patient and take things uh, kind of a day at a time with a, a little more grace and patience, a little more understanding and consideration of the limitations and uh, of others. Mm-hmm. And alongside that, uh, just remaining thankful through mm-hmm. it all, you know, and Carla does those things really well, I, I think, for those wow. who know her. Another thing that I see and learn from her in this is we can always pray. And, mm. you know, she can't physically do a lot of other things, but nothing hinders her prayer life. And right. and if we really think about it, it you know, prayer is what really changes things anyway. Mm-hmm. So being able to mm-hmm. uh, pray is valuable. And and I almost, you know, I 
often picture God just, uh, I don't know, just so eagerly looking for people who will really enter into his heart of intercession mm-hmm. for others and really develop a, a strong and vibrant prayer life. And mm. and again, you know, I see that in Carla through mm. this disease. It's it's <laughs> forced her to, you know, sit still a lot wow. more. And mm-hmm. in that stillness, she can always be praying, though. Uh, And I guess the last thing that comes to mind as we're talking about this is that we can always choose joy. And Mm -hmm. and I don't mean, you know, just gritting your teeth and smiling in the face of Mm -hmm. really painful difficulties, but... I mean, uh, there's a joy that that comes in as a fruit of the spirit that uh, carries us through, and and in a certain way, it outshines any of the tears that come from our pain. Mm. You know, wow. uh, and that's the sort of thing that joy comes in and happens when the Lord is truly at the center of mm-hmm. our lives and, and mm-hmm. at the center of our marriages. And, and we're living and aiming to please him mm-hmm. and glorify him with mm-hmm. our lives. That joy doesn't depart just because we have some rough patches. Mm-hmm. I think what's amazing to me in kind of just the way you're talking about this is how Carla's example for you has become kind of a, a testimony to you and you've allowed her to teach you and to show you how to live a biblical life. And I I would think that that man 20 years ago who was very self-centered and wanted to lord everything over her would not have been willing to see the situation you're in now in a way to gain those those benefits from. Yeah, that's true. And it would have been uh, tragic, really, because I would have missed the communion that comes with the Lord when you really enter in and learn to experience with him. There's a fellowship that scripture talks about, the Mm -hmm. fellowship of his sufferings, and I would have missed all of that. Wow. Yeah, as you're talking about that, it does remind me of something else you said, which is that you really struggled when you looked at other couples around you just kind of drawing a comparison. And I think there's probably a lot of men, a lot of women um, out there who probably just come to something, whether it's a major crisis, health crisis, or after sexual sin, needing to learn to reconcile with their spouse, where they look at those around them and say, this marriage isn't what I expected it to be. And so how did you learn to fight through that? kind of a mental struggle. Yeah, we. I definitely experienced that uh, struggle for sure. Um, I guess, you know, when I left the program, we went back to our home in, in Pennsylvania for nine months or so we were there. Uh, we actually were seeing another couple and getting some biblical counseling ge- mm-hmm. geared specifically toward marriage. Okay. So, so that couple, you know, helped us through some things for sure. And um, if nothing else, you know, having those weekly appointments mm-hmm. just kept my focus on the need to invest in and really build a marriage and a relationship okay. with my wife. And that was uh, part of it. But, you know, then we moved to Pure Life Ministries like nine months later. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm looking around and, you know, there's Steve and Kathy Gallagher, perfect marriage. There's Jeff and Rose Cologne, perfect marriage. You know, there's these other couples that are working in the uh-huh. ministry. Everybody's got like these perfect relationships and they're just, you know, you can see the love for each other in their eyes and uh-huh. everything. And, you know, Carla and I felt like we were just, you know, never going to get there and uh-huh. weren't even close to that at, at that point. Uh, 
uh, even though things had gotten incredibly better, you know, right. it wasn't that. And, and it was kind of hard. Uh, and I think somewhere along the line, the Lord just really helped us see that, you know, those couples are 10, 15 years ahead of hmm. where you're at. Mm-hmm. You know, they should have a little more yeah. uh, something yeah. visible in their relationship than, than you and Carla at this point. Uh, and we just had to kind of come to grips and, and get a little more comfortable with where we're really at. Yeah. You know, we're on the yeah. right path, uh, and we haven't arrived yet, but we're headed in the right direction and, yeah. and, and be more satisfied with that reality. Um, you know, very practical things. Uh, I remember Jeff and Rose uh, taught us how to have conference tables with each other um, uh, and so we sit down at the table in our house and, you know, if there was an issue, a problem that needed mm-hmm. to be resolved, we, we did it there. We had a weekly night where we were going to meet and, and mm. do that. And, you know, that whole, uh, conference table concept is really explained really well in Jeff's book, uh, from ashes to beauty. Okay. So won't get into all the details of it here. Uh, but it, it's a very, a helpful way for couples to resolve their problems, negotiate biblical hmm. resolutions to their uh, differences. And so that was one of the very practical things that, you know, we as a couple learned to do so we can mm-hmm. build our relationship. And, uh, and another thing that stood out was really having to just learn to be very quick to say, I'm wrong, please Mm. forgive me Mm -hmm. to one another, really. But, you know, for me, it it was me learning to say that to Carla for sure. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a a funny little story maybe, but I realized somewhere along the line after some time at this that we'd actually made some progress when we, because we worked together in the uh, administration (laughs) office and we were in the offices working. And I don't even remember the scenario, but one of us had done something or something had happened and we were arguing over who was wrong. Like she was insisting that she was wrong and I was insisting that I was wrong. And so I guess, you know, the Lord just kind of helped us see, well, we must have made some progress if our fighting now is about who's wrong (laughs) rather than who's right. So, I know I mentioned it last week, but I do want to bring up again Jeff Colon's book, From Ashes to Beauty. We just heard Pastor Ed mention one of the tools he lists in the book, the conference table, and how it helped him and Carla resolve issues in their marriage in a healthy and structured way. So I thought I'd just read a paragraph from the book on the conference table. I actually think it adds a lot to this interview. Jeff says, To begin each meeting, each person takes a turn and shares about themselves and how they have sinfully responded or sinfully handled any problems since the last conference table session. If forgiveness needs to be asked, do so. Speak all truth in love. Do not allow any sinful issues to be carried over into the next day. After each person has confessed their own sins and failures, they can then each bring up issues and problems which need to be discussed. As not all problems can be solved in one sitting, you may find it necessary to make up an agenda and schedule the work over a period of time based upon priority. As problems are brought up and conferring begins, direct all your energies towards defeating the problem, not defeating the person. Your goal is to reach a biblical solution, so always have a Bible on the table and use it to the best of your ability. If you want my opinion on all that, it does sound very challenging to do that well, but it does sound really rewarding. And so I do hope some of you will go to our store and check it out. 
just visit store.purelifeministries.org. Okay, back to our interview where Pastor Ed continues to talk about some of the lessons he learned in those early stages of rebuilding his marriage. You know, another thing that comes to mind, just thinking in marriage in general, uh, one of the biggest uh, issues or, or questions really that that couples ask us uh, a lot is, you know, how can the husband re-earn the wife's trust after mm-hmm. sexual sin and mm-hmm. things have, have damaged the marriage? And most of the time, the husband just wants his wife to like get on board and like, I'm, I'm better now, everything should be fine and you should just trust me. Mm-hmm. And, and the wife tends to be a little more on the side of, you know, she's got a suspicion, maybe it's even an unhealthy suspicion at okay. times, you know, and she's asking a lot of questions. I right. mean, I've heard stories where wives will, you know, secretly follow their husbands or check up on their wow. husbands somehow and wow. can get really extreme. And, you know, those kinds of things will will destroy your marriage just as quick as, as sexual sin will destroy wow. the okay. marriage. Uh, those kinds of obvious lack of trust. But, you know, what I often tell the husbands when I'm counseling them is you have to learn to uh, bring your failures into the light, disclose them to your wife and, and your temptations. You know, be quick to do that. I know it seems counterintuitive to most husbands. They feel like, you know, if she sees that I'm, that I'm weak or that I'm hmm. tempted, you know, it'll mm-hmm. excite her mm-hmm. fear and make mm-hmm. her distrust me. But in reality, the fact that we can be that vulnerable and admit that we're struggling mm-hmm. with real temptation and mm-hmm. and maybe even a real failure, that actually uh, invites her trust better than wow. almost anything we can do. Hmm. That's all really good. But before we move on, I did want to ask, you mentioned several times in that um, the influence of a godly couple in your guys's life. Um, would you suggest that that's something important for couples who are working through some of these issues? Yes, absolutely. I, I think any couple uh, would benefit from that. And for most, it's probably truly essential that wow. they seek out some good mentoring from biblical counselors or at least a couple in their church who's got a solid marriage mm-hmm. and can really impart mm-hmm. something to them. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap up the interview, I do want to stop and ask one thing related to your sexual sin, and that's impact on your marriage. Um, What you struggled with before coming to Pure Life, same-sex attraction, and you also expressed how you didn't, you see now how back then you didn't really love your wife um, before coming here, but today you do have a loving and a healthy marriage. And I think for men who are in your shoes, who are struggling with that, that might seem completely just (laughs) not possible. Um, But you're a testimony that it is. So what advice would you have um, for men who may be dealing with that? Sure. Because, you know, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And and Mm -hmm. it takes him to do uh, a work like that. But, you know, let me... um, just say, uh, you mentioned that I came to the realization that I didn't love my wife. And 
I honestly think that's not the the same sex attraction issue doesn't have anything really to do with that. Okay. That's probably true of almost every husband I've ever counseled or <laughs> almost okay. all the marriages that we deal with at Pure Life Ministries. We want to think that we entered into our marriage because mm-hmm. I loved her mm-hmm. or the on the wife's part because she loved him. But the reality is anytime we entered into marriage thinking that we were going to gain more than we were going to give, mm-hmm. we did not enter into it with the love of God and, wow. and God's definition mm-hmm. of love. So uh, so I think a lot of couples just really need to come to that as their starting place and wow. just frankly admit wow. in their heart okay. and maybe to one another that hmm. they really didn't do this out of love. They okay. did it out of selfishness. Um, but beyond that, uh, I would also point out that Marriages where the husband is dealing with same-sex attraction are not as uncommon as they used to be. Okay. You know, that's just becoming a much more prevalent issue in our culture, mm-hmm. and it's showing up in marriage mm-hmm. relationships the same way. And almost invariably, couples that we deal with, uh, you know, both the husband and the wife are sort of hoping that his same-sex attraction issue will go away right. and that God will miraculously replace that right. with a heterosexual uh-huh. orientation. And I certainly don't want to give anyone the idea that God never does that or can't do that. Okay. He can and does, but the vast majority of marriages that we counsel and, mm-hmm. and deal with, uh, that's not what happens and that's not my experience. You mm. know, In most cases, the husband still has to deal with some degree of that same-sex mm. attraction in his life, but the Lord steps in and helps him and teaches him how to be loving toward his wife and how to remain faithful toward his wife across the board in every area, mm-hmm. you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mm-hmm. all of it. Uh, he learns to be faithful in the marriage. And so when we understand that God's purpose for marriage is really holiness, not mm-hmm. happiness, mm-hmm. like so many want it to be or, or profess it uh-huh. to be, uh, when we understand that his purpose is holiness, you know, then we're at the right starting mm-hmm. point. And uh, we also need to make sure we're dealing with the right definition of love, that agape love, that divine mm-hmm. love. It's a choice, not an emotion. So we we can always okay. make the choice to love mm-hmm. our wives, even if our feelings aren't mm-hmm. in it. Uh, they don't have to be. And again, you know, that's one of those things that's not really just a, a same-sex attraction issue even. Yeah. You know, every yeah. couple needs to uh-huh. deal with those sorts of things and make sure that their love isn't done just in, in their words, but is actually getting expressed yeah. in the way they're living mm-hmm. their lives. Uh, so Carla and I, we found ways to express love to each other. And uh, I mentioned earlier just, you know, being more involved mm-hmm. and helping her right. with some of her duties, if you will, around the house. Yeah. Uh, you know, she took that as as a sign of love, um, praying together, uh, staying uh-huh. vulnerable with each other and just uh-huh. sharing, uh, you know, our inner thoughts yeah. and, and ideas and, and even our inner fears and temptations, you know, being wow. vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, at that level. Um, and if 
if both the husband and wife will remain committed to keeping the Lord at the center of their relationship, he definitely will help them and give them, yeah. you know, there's a lot of hope for marriage in that case, because when he's at the center, he knows how to build a healthy uh, marriage and relationship. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, Patrick, you know, that that's all I know. That's my testimony. That's what the Lord did is he's helped me learn to love Carla, to love her physically, to love her emotionally, to love her spiritually. Mm -hmm. And I know for a lot of couples, maybe they, they have those kind of three areas of the relationship in a different order. For some, the accent is on the physical relationship. For some, it's on the emotional hmm. relationship. Uh, what the Lord has taught Carla and I uh, that I think could be helpful to any couple is that if you keep them in this order where you're spiritual uh, mm -hmm. and then emotional and then physical, if we approach marriage in that order, he's able to help me be faithful to her. Well, I really appreciate you coming in today and doing this interview with us because we've kind of touched on a number of different issues that men might be having as they're trying to reconcile with their wife after sexual sin. And so I'd just like to ask before we close out, is there any other advice you would give husbands, any other areas um, that there might be some issues they would have and what would you say to them? Well, I don't know about any other areas that are coming to mind, but I think what I would say to any husband out there is don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, you know, yes, you have to own your mistakes. You have to repent uh, and, you know, I'm wrong. Will you please forgive me? But mm -hmm. don't get tired of doing that. You know, the world, honestly, I think needs to see examples of godly men, godly fathers, godly husbands. And I think especially that is men who can say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Several of our guests have referenced Ephesians 5 in this series so far. So I want to close by reading just a portion from that, the part that refers to a husband's role. Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. The same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself." You know, we talk a lot on this show about prayer and Bible study. So, since I'm not married and I have no authority to speak on this subject, I thought I'd use this passage as a call to do what we always ask you to do. If you're married, study out this passage and any other passage about marriage. Compare scripture with scripture. Use commentaries to see what godly men have said throughout the ages about it. Look up Greek words and then pray over it. Pray through until the phrase, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, becomes a truth richly rooted inside you, personal and unshakable. Next week, we're going to take another break from our series to celebrate Christmas on the podcast. But you'll be pleased to know Nate Dancer will be back as the host for that show. He's just returned from Brazil the same day I'm recording this episode. So I want to thank you all for your prayers for that. And I'll see if he can't share some highlights and prayer points from the trip with y'all on an upcoming episode. God bless you, and thanks for joining us.
Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.